0: Uh, I'm I'm super pumped about the series that we're in, The Ripple Effect. We started it last week, so you're getting in at a really good time. Um, We're talking about priorities. We're talking about the priorities that we make in our lives and how they have a ripple effect across our lives. And when we get our priorities wrong in life, it creates chaos. And we've all been subject to the chaos that the wrong priorities make in our lives. Would you agree to that? But whenever we make the right priorities and we put them in the right order, there becomes this life is good mentality that we have. Uh, Everything just kind of flows like it's supposed to. And so last week, as we started this series, we talked about four truths and we talked about four circles or four priorities that we have, four priorities that are essential to your life. Um, The very first one was Jesus, and that's what we're gonna camp out largely on today. But last week, just to kind of jumpstart this series and jumpstart our year, we started a fast together a 21-day fast. And we kind of talked about what that was last week. And my prayer is that seven days in, you're finding that you're closer to God, you're finding that your prayer time is enhanced, and you're finding that that you are are closer and drawing nearer to the God that created you and that wants to be at the center of your priorities. Um, And maybe you didn't start the fast last week with us, and you're like, you know what? I wonder if it's too late for me to jump in. Let me just go ahead and tell you, it's not too late to jump in. It's never too late to jump in and put God first. Did you know that? So, so and we, we still have several days left. We're actually going to be ending it the day before uh, the Super Bowl. And we kind of planned it like that because we didn't want you to have to go to Super Bowl parties and, and, and not be able to eat like you want. Sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? Um, but we, we, but we want to take this 21 days and make it as, as impactful and as meaningful as possible. So if you didn't start last week, jump in. It's never too late to say, hey, God, I want to make you first in my life. So I just want to encourage you that. Um, Pastor Jim has an article called Fasting 101. Uh, You can find it on our Bridge app. If you search in your um, iPhone or if you have an Android, just search Bridge NC. You can download the app. It's called Fasting 101. Make sure you read that article. It has some really good points uh, and really good tips as you jump into the fast. Uh, if you want to follow along today, you can follow along on either of these screens, or you can follow along on the app. Just go over to Notes and click Goldsboro. Um, and if you, if you put anything on Facebook today, don't forget to hashtag the Ripple Effect. So today we're starting talking about these four priorities, and we're going to tackle the very first one, right? Because you always build the foundation before you build the building. You ever see a building with a second story first? No good. You want to start with the foundation. So we're talking about putting Jesus at the very center of your priorities. It's the most important circle. And what we find is, is that when we get this priority right, it breathes life into the rest of the priorities that we're going to talk about. So if you want to look at the screen, we're going to show you kind of this chart um, that we we made just to kind of give you a visual. We have Jesus in the center, and then we have family. Our church comes after that, and then our community after that. And when we put Jesus in the center, it breathes life as that ripples out. It breathes life into every one of those. So I want to talk today about a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with God. And I want to be very practical. I don't just want to throw truths at you. I want to be practical with you. And the question I want to start with is, is what do we need to consistently grow in our relationship with God? What do we need to do? Because it's one thing for me to say, I'm going to put Jesus at the center of my life, and it's another thing entirely to actually do it isn't it right do you ever wonder why some people just seem so much more naturally in tune with god it's like when they pray they have this direct line to god when our prayers just seem to hit the ceiling does anybody know what i'm talking about they they read their bibles and it just seems like they just have this this knowledge of it, God just seems to pour it in, like this wisdom. They just have it, and they begin to understand it. It seems like there's this connection there that, that maybe I don't quite have. And sometimes we can walk around like that, but it's, it seems like sometimes we can just hear somebody pray, and it just seems like they have this, this thing with God. Here's what that thing is. It's called intimacy with God. It's called intimacy with God. And just like any other relationship that you have, it requires making some commitments. Intimacy with any person, also God, requires making some commitments. People that are in intimate relationship with God, they have committed themselves to habits in their lives that sometimes people that struggle with intimacy, they're not willing to make. They're they're just not willing to do it. Some want to be intimate with God. They want to have that closeness with God, but they live with the attitude that says, God, if you'll show me, then I'll believe you. Or if you'll provide this, then I'll commit to you. If, if you will do this, God, and show me that what I'm getting ready to commit to you is gonna be worth it, right? Then I will, I will commit myself to you. But see, God's the exact opposite. What God says is, I'm the creator of all things. I love you, I made you. I want you to put your faith and your trust in me. And when you do that, I will begin to show you. I will begin to make myself available to you. I will show myself to you in such a way when you put your faith and your trust in me. And sometimes we just, we get it backwards. But today, I want, to talk about, I want to talk about three basic habits that people that have intimacy with God build into their lives. Say three habits. Three habits. We're going to talk about habits. And before we do, I just want to, I want, to, I want to tell you that by the end of today, you're going to have an opportunity to make a commitment to commit to these three habits. To start your year, to start your list of priorities right. Now, does that mean you're going to be perfect? No. Everybody say No. But is it a, going to give you an opportunity to have a place to start? Yeah, we are. So let's talk about habits. Well, let's have some fun to start with. Uh, there was a survey taken and kind of asked a variety of questions about people's habits. I took a few of them out. I want to see how we compare. So I want you to just kind of raise your hands. These will be fun. Um, the first one was, was real simple. When do you fill up your gas tank? What, what, what's your habit with that? Three-fourths full? Some people go to the, go to the... How many of you three-fourths full, you're at the gas station? They said that 2% of people actually do that. That's nuts. My personal opinion, okay? Half a tank, they show up at the gas station, got a few hands going up, half a tank. 18% of people, according to this survey, said that they go to the gas station when their tank is half full. What about that MT to one-fourth? How many is that? Okay. They said that 33% of people do that. I noticed not everybody in the room raised their hand. So when the car stops moving, is that when you <laughs> is that when you go? All right. And the family's going, yes, that's true, because I'm the one that has to bail them out every time that they call from the side of the road. How many of you bite your fingernails? Got hands going up all over the room. They say that ninety six percent of Americans bite their fingernails. How about your toenails? Anybody bite your toenails? That's actually a statistic. They say that 25% of people admit to biting their toenails. Some of us are like, I'm just not that flexible. I can't do it. How many of you make your bed every day? This was an interesting one. Every day I make my bed. How many of you make it never? <laughs> Sorry, I'd go to the end. Sometimes, make your bed Sometimes. Yeah, they say that bed bugs and dust mites, they actually like a made bed. So good luck to all you uh, perfect people that make your bed every day. This is an interesting one. How many of you, when you see the toilet paper roll is like completely empty, you change it. <laughs> how many of you just leave it for somebody else's? Yeah. That wasn't on the survey. I was just curious. So now that we know how strange our neighbors are, Uh, And we know what kind of problems they have and how weird they are. Um, I, I want you to know the Bible says that there are certain habits that are necessary to put Jesus at the center of your life. The Bible talks about this. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, this is what the apostle Paul tells us. He says, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. He actually used in the context, it was actually athletic terms. And he's saying that spiritual fitness, this kind of relationship that you're growing in, it's just like physical fitness. In other words, it doesn't just happen. It's it's something that you have to commit to. It takes commitments and it takes habits. He says, but it is possible. And the habits I want to point out today, there's three of them. It involves our three most priceless and precious possessions that we have. And this is what they are. Our time. Everybody say time. Time. Our money. Say money. money. Got a little bit quieter when I said that. And our talent. Say talent talent. If God is number one in these areas, he's number one. That's just a fact. But here's, here's kind of the rule for today. There's going to be no pressure from me. We're going to talk about these, but I want you to evaluate yourself honestly and give yourself the gift, because it is a gift, of self-awareness in your own life and see what God might want to say to you. Okay? Is that Can we agree to that? All right. Because remember last week we read the scripture in Matthew chapter six, when he said, Jesus said this, the thing you should want the most is honoring God's kingdom and wanting what he wants, right? And then he said, after, you, after this, all these other things that you need, they're going to be given to you. So let's keep that scripture in mind as we talk about these habits. So habit number one, everybody say habit number one. is simply this, a time with God every day. In Luke chapter five, we, we see Jesus, and this is what it says about him. It says that Jesus often slipped away to other places to be alone with god so he could pray i want you to underline or circle if you feel comfortable doing that in your bible often the word often he did it often it was a consistent part of jesus life two things one he was god himself but yet he still considered god something that he needed in his life consistently so much to the point that he had to get alone with him consistently and and secondly i want you to think about how busy jesus must have been he was laying the foundations for christianity he was teaching hundreds a lot of times, thousands of people, people followed him all over the place, and he only had three years to do this, okay? Now, some of you might know that Jesus' earthly ministry only lasted about three years, but yet he made time often to slip away and pray. He knew that the life he was living, even though he was 100% God, he was also 100% human, and that life depended on being close, uh, in, he had to have close connection with God the Father. And so he slipped away often. Second word I want you to focus on and maybe underline in your Bible is alone. It says that he often slipped away to other places to be alone so that he could pray. Have you ever tried to carry on a conversation in a crowded room? Like maybe in the, in the lobby after service and you're trying to just talk and catch up? Um, a few weeks ago i was i came and i was in the back of the auditorium here and the band was practicing and i was trying to talk to adam our media director and before you know it we're yelling <laughs> you know we're just kind of yelling the information back and forth it's just not a great environment to, to 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 communicate something that's very important or have this have have some type of intimacy you can pass along information back and forth but trying to communicate something and and, and start this intimate relationship not that i'm trying to start an intimate relationship with you adam that. <laughs> but you get my point. You can't do it when there's noise. The noise of life is circling around, and, and we're trying to have this time with God only to realize that, you know what? While we're maybe passing information back and forth. I might be just throwing prayers up. But the deepening, intimate relationship with God cannot happen. Jesus was our example. He said he did it often, and he got alone with God. Intimacy comes with unscripted, unhurried time. A time alone with God. I remember when I was dating Katie, my, mom, my kid's mom, I'd drive an hour and a half to be with her, just to eat a meal. Remember those days? I mean, it didn't matter. I would drive an hour and a half. Sometimes we'd get there, and we'd drive an hour and a half back to Goldsboro just so I could show her my hometown, show her where I went to high school, show her where, you know, this was, and then I'd drive an hour and a half back. And do you think all the, the meals and showing her where I went to school was important? No, we didn't care so much about that. We just wanted to be together, right? We, we just wanted that time together, and so we did. We did. We gave time to each other because we wanted something intimate, not just the surface, and so we did. And what I've learned in life is that we find time to do the things that we want to do. Would you agree to that? That's kind of a soft truth, but it's the truth nonetheless. Maybe you have a similar story in your relationship. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Time alone with God creates intimacy with God, but you have to do it. And some, for some of us, our lives are so busy, we have to schedule it. So we've got to put it on the schedule. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Write God into your planner. Put it on your brain book because the pressures of life are ever-present. And we talked about it a, little bit, a little bit about this last week. If you don't make priorities, your pressures will gladly set them for you. And so you have to make God a priority. Some people ask, well, in this time that I give with God, what's the best time to do it? The time is when you're at your best. I would have never given Katie my worst. (laughs) That would have been really stupid. Intimate relationships form when you give your best. And it's the same with God. So you ask yourself the question, am I a morning person? Am I a night person? Am I a fowl or an owl? You ever heard of that? Do you get up with the birds or do you stay up with the owls? How many of you are no good morning or night? You're just kind of like, you know what? I don't know what I am. (laughs) It may take some figuring out, but you got to figure out when you're at your best and give that time to God. People that are in deep relationship with God, they spend time with Him. They spend the best parts of them every day. So be still, get alone, do it often, and create a habit of a time with God every day. Habit number two, say habit number two. (laughs) Habit number two is a tithe to God a tithe to God. Now, you might be asking, what in the world does tithing have to do with creating priorities? Tithing has more to do with trust than it does money. Did you know that? It's a real response that we can give to the question, can God, can he be trusted? With things that he promises, can God be trusted? And giving a tithe to God is a real response that we can give to that question. The fact is is that we don't spend a lot of time on the topic around here, and a lot of us maybe get a little bit nervous when it it comes up. But I want you to understand something. If I didn't talk about tithing, I will fail you as a pastor because our priorities and our money, they go hand in hand. They just do. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, it tells us the purpose of tithing. It says this, the purpose of tithing is, and then what's the rest of it say? So God's going to have more money and the church can pay all the bills? That's not true, by the way. It got real quiet. But some people actually believe that. But here's the fact. God doesn't need our money. I want to just be very blunt and open and honest with you and say that God owns it all. He created the whole entire universe from nothing. In fact, Psalm chapter 24 says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything, say everything, everything, everything that's in it. The world is his and all who live in it. The fact is, is it's all his So let's go back to that verse in Deuteronomy and finish it. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. That's the point of it. Because we know our priorities and our money, they they go hand in hand. So let's be honest. If I were to say, God, I want to put you first in in my life, but but you're not first with my time and you're not first with my money, then there's a contradiction there, isn't there? Isn't there? In Matthew 6, Jesus says this, where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be also. So the reason why we give is because it draws us closer to God. It opens up a part of ourselves and we're saying, God, I want you to have all of me. So when I give a tithe to God, I'm, I'm actually drawing nearer to him because my heart will inevitably follow my money. Let me ask you a question and I don't want you to raise your hand or give any outward response. But of those in the room that have committed to give consistently, since you started doing this, since you started doing what the Bible says, laying up treasures in heaven, are you closer to God or are you further away from him? Because the fact is, is that when you commit to the habit of giving a tithe to God, you draw closer to him and you, you begin making Jesus your center priority. It's a part of that. In the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, he talks about tithing. And this is what God instructs us to do. He says this in chapter three, first part of verse 10. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And the word tithe in its original form, it actually means tenth. And so we ask the question, why in the world would anybody want to do that? Why would anybody want to set aside 10% of their income for God? That is crazy. And for those of you that have started tithing, and the first time you wrote that thing out and you looked at it, you're like, man, what else could I do with that? So we ask, why in the world would anybody want to do that? Why would anybody want to give a tithe to God? And you know what? The first answer is simply this, because God said do it. And that should be reason enough, shouldn't it? And a lot of us start there. We start in the obedience part of it. God said do it, so, so I will. But I just want to tell you, tithing and giving, and as my heart draws closer to him, it might start with obedience And many of you have the same experience. By the time it's over with, my heart moves just from doing it because he said to, to all of a sudden now I'm giving and God has been so faithful to me and he's been so trustworthy and he's been promised so much and he's done his part that now I'm giving out of thanksgiving. Now I'm giving out of worship. I'm giving because uh, I'm closer to God. And there's something between me and him that I can't explain to you necessarily with human words. But there's something inside of me that is closer to God. And now I begin to give out of worship and thanksgiving. Because at the end of that verse, God makes a pretty big promise when we do what he said do. And listen to what he says. God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And he says, test me in this. Test me, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it you may have heard this said before, but this is the one place in the scripture that God actually says, test me. And, and I feel like maybe one of the reasons why he says it there is because we need that motivation <laughs> because money is such a, the, a centerpiece of our lives and it's, we need it and it, it has the propensity to, to just rule us if we're not careful. And so God says, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a big ask, but I want to, you to understand that I'm, I'm telling you to test me and let me show you my part. He says, I will bless you so much you won't even have room enough to store it. It Test me in this. And what what ends up happening is people that do that, they begin to develop a trust in God. And for people that have decided that they are going to develop the habit of giving a tithe to God, they've settled the trust issue and they've watched God come through time and time and time again. So a time with God and we have to give a tithe to God. Habit number three, say habit number three. Habit number three is a talent for God. As we make Jesus the center of our lives, we have to give him a time, we have to give him a tithe, and we have to give a talent. And I'm talking about these God-given talents that we all have, skills and abilities that we can be serving one another, the church and and people all over with our families. God, God expects us to use the talents that we have to serve his kingdom. Did you know that? Just like we manage our time and just like we manage our money, we're supposed to be managing our talent. Now, I'm not saying go get a talent manager and start trying to profit off of it, even though some of you are so talented you probably could. He's saying use what you have, your God-given abilities, to serve the body of Christ because you have to understand that what you have is his to start with. It is. And just like he gave it to you, he can certainly take it away. That's not meant to scare you, but we have to understand that it's not ours. It's his. He entrusted it to us. And when we develop a habit of using a talent for God, that's one way that we keep Jesus at the center of our priorities. It's one way that we make him the center. Listen to what the Bible says in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. He says, God has given each of you some special abilities. So be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. How many kinds of blessings does God have? If you look through different translations and the the original uh, context of that, God has multifaceted blessings that he wants to pour in to your life, and he's going to do it because there's people around you in his church that have talents and abilities that they can pour into you. You know that God works through people? You know that a lot of times when I'm in need, it's the church that surrounds me? I've never seen God. I've never seen it, and I'm not saying he can't, but I've never seen God just drop something right out of heaven and bounce it on my lap but you know what God will do? He will, he will spur the heart of a Christian who is listening to bless me in my time of need. He will use people. He will use you to bless somebody else, and he will use other people to bless you in all different kinds of ways. We're supposed to be using our gifts and abilities to help other people. There's a pastor friend of mine who was, he was telling me and, and sharing the story about when he got called to minister. This was kind of interesting. And so he followed God to go to school. He said, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get a degree. Uh, and then four years went by. He got a bachelor's degree. Uh, he graduated, but he still didn't have a job in ministry. And he was kind of hoping that he could get one while he was in school and start you know, interning. So by the time he got out, he'd be set. And he didn't. And he was bummed out. And he asked God one day, uh, God, what's going on? And he said, I'm having a pity party. <laughs> he said, right in the middle of the pity party, God said, what's wrong? And he said, I'm not somebody that just hears from God all the time. He said, but I knew God was talking. And He, he God said, what's wrong? And he said, God, I'm glad that you asked the question. <laughs> he said, you've brought me all the way through school. He said, this is a dead-end job, or, or dead-end, it seems like. there's. I don't have a job right now. I'm still stocking groceries. And he said, What's going on with this? And God said, well, what do you want to do? He said, I want to pour into people's lives. I want to, I want to be in full-time ministry. I, 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 want to, I want to show people your love. I want to take them to their next steps with you. And God said this plain as a bell. And he, when he tells the story, he said it was so clear. He says, you can do that right now, but you just won't get paid for it. And God began to tell him, you can volunteer at your church. And then he, God said something to him that broke his heart. He said, or do you have to get paid before you start caring about the spiritual health of people around you? He said it broke him. He said, I called the church that day, and I volunteered. <laughs> he said, I did it right then. And eventually, you know, a door opened up, and he, he was able to be on staff. But it started with this, a willingness to serve the talent that he had for the body of Christ. And Scripture is full of these instances where, where we find people serving. Jesus served. He was our example in all things. And the Bible says that he, he was God himself, but yet he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. Instead, he served. He lowered himself, and he served. And one of the most powerful examples that we see Jesus doing this was when he was with the disciples, right before he died and went back up to heaven, he knew his time on earth was over. This was the, a really important time. Okay? He, he was getting ready to go back to heaven, so he had limited time to kind of cram in the last details of what he wanted uh, the, the disciples to know. And th- this is what he did in John 13, starting with verse 3. It said, Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power. Now, that's a, that's a powerful statement that you need to hear. Jesus had all things under his power. It says, in that he had come from God, and he was returning to God. It says, Jesus knew this. And so, knowing this, he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing. They used to have underclothing and outer clothing. And he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. You need to understand, this washing of the feet was very common in the day. They wore sandals. They walked dusty roads. They walked through all kinds of animal waste. And so at everyone's house in, in that time, there was always a water basin at the door so your guests could come and wash their feet. If you were more wealthy, there was a servant there, and they would wash their feet. It was a lowly job, and Jesus made a powerful statement here, being God himself, having all power and authority given to him, he lowers himself and begins to do this dirty, disgusting task. This is the most important time, I believe, of all human history, his final moments where he was getting ready to pour into the ones and say one last thing. To the, to, the, to the 12 guys that would eventually start the church, and Jesus serves. He lowers himself and he serves. Why? Why did he do that? I mean, the verse said that he, that he had had all things put under his power, everything. He was the most powerful person in the room. He had the most influence. He had the most resources. He had the most knowledge out of anybody. If anybody was supposed to be served, it was Jesus. Would you agree to that? Look at what verse 14 says. Jesus says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, have served you, you also should wash one another's feet and serve one another. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And I'm sitting here going, if he of all people lowered himself and served others, how much more should I do it? If, if Jesus Christ has all power given to him, if he lowered himself and he served, how much more should you do it? He said, I'm doing this as an example for you. He said, and you'll be blessed if you do it. Follow my lead, he says. and, and, and What I begin to understand is we are supposed to be serving one another with the gifts and the abilities that God has given us, with the understanding that it's not my talent, it's not my gift. Me speaking up here and being able to stand in front of you is not a gift that's mine and mine alone. It's God's, and I choose to use it for him because he gave it to me and called me to this. What is God calling you to do? What gifts and abilities do you have that you can serve other people with? You don't have to stand on a stage and have a microphone to serve somebody. Did you know that? Maybe some of us just need to lose our attitudes and just put on a smile and brighten somebody's day because the word says that a joyful look brings joy to the heart. Maybe some of you just have a a great personality and you just need to involve yourself in getting into people's lives. There's so many opportunities in your life that you would not believe that God can use you to serve somebody else from what seems like something really important to what seems like something really insignificant. If God is using it, let me tell you something, it has an eternal purpose. And not only will it change someone's life, but God will bless you for it. And and I'll just throw this in. We give you many opportunities right here at the bridge to serve. There's so many opportunities. Right on your Connect card, there's a place where you can say, I'm interested in serving, and we'll follow up with you and give you some information about it. If we're gonna make God a consistent priority in our life, then we need to develop these habits. We need to give a time to God. We need to give a tithe to God and we need to give our talents to God. We need to do that. And remember Matthew six, Jesus says, when you put me first like this, all these other things that you need will be given to you. And some of you are thinking, Pastor Ryan, that is a great idea and I wanna do those things, but I know me. If I start on this list, I'm going to start well, and then I'm going to drop the ball. How how many of you don't raise your hand, but you know kind of I'm that way. I start something really good, and then I have the tendency to kind of drop off. When my emotions are high, I'm like, yeah, let's charge the hill. And then all of a sudden when the day gets bad or or when the week's bad or when the kids are going crazy or when life just doesn't, then all of a sudden I begin to have the tendency to kind of taper off that. And you may be sitting here thinking the same thing, and you're like, "I, I don't want to drop the ball. And what I want to tell you is, is that's the reason why you have a church family, because we're going to be, not be doing this as individuals in little individual silos, but we're going to be doing this together. We, we want to do it together because we all need help in this area. There's this Old Testament example in the book of Nehemiah, and the people of Israel, they had lived just lives that were far away from God. They were God's own people. God chose them. He redeemed them, and they ran far away from him. I mean stuff out in left field. If you read the Old Testament, some of it's pretty disgusting, some of the stuff they did. But God still loved them, and they had to live with some of the consequences of their own actions that they brought on themselves, and eventually they they came back to God. And when they did, they were kind of at this crossroads, kind of like where we are today, and they're saying, you know, we want to make these commitments to God, but we know we have the propensity to go the other direction. So what we want to do is we want to do it together because they wanted to make it something that wasn't just this casual kind of, I feel good now, but maybe later I won't. They they will say, I want to make this solid. I want to make this commitment to God. I want to do it together. I want it to be something that I can actually live by, something that holds weight. And in the book of Nehemiah, chapter nine, verse 38, this is what it says. It says, we're making an agreement in writing. We're all going to make this agreement. We're all going to write it. We're all going to seal the document with our names of our leaders, the Levites, and our priests. And I said to you earlier, you're going to have the opportunity to commit to these habits and building these habits into our life. And you may have it with you. On your seat when you walked in was a a commitment card. It looks like this, a little small card like this. Would you just get that and look at it for a second? We can do exactly what the people in Nehemiah's day did. We can agree together. We can agree to help one another and we can put our names on it. And I just got to say, what better way to make Jesus the center part of our lives than to, to make a commitment and make that decision right now. So here's what we're offering. Here's, here's what we're doing. You're going to print your name on this and, and you're going to print it legibly, right? And then you're going to drop it in the, in the baskets that the ushers have on, on the way out. And what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray over each one of these cards as your pastor and I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to pray over each one. And I am. I'm gonna call out your name and I'm gonna pray that God help you. I'm gonna pray that God empower you and we're gonna do it together. And then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna mail it back to you so that you can have it. Now, if we don't have your address, make sure you fill out a connect card today and put your address on there so we can update your information because we wanna mail it back to you. And it's important that you, you print legibly so that we can read who you are so that we can actually mail it back. And when you get it back, I want you to put it somewhere that you can see it often, okay? Maybe you want to put that in your, in your purse or in your wallet so that later on, whenever you're digging through your wallet and you're trying to find a receipt or some change um, or your driver's license so you can give it to the officer who's at your window. Maybe not that last one, hopefully. But put it somewhere where you can be reminded every single day of the commitment that you're making today. And and what we want to do is give you a tangible reminder of this goal that you're setting today so you can have it. Does that make sense? It's scriptural. And you may ask, Pastor Ryan, what if I slip? Because some of you are still thinking, I I don't want to slip. I don't want to sign this thing and then slip and, 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 and not do what I said I would do. Because I, I admire that because really what you're saying is I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to do something and then knowing I'm, I might slip later. Let me tell you something. You haven't failed until you've quit. We're not perfect human beings. I'm certainly not saying that, yes, it's, it's okay for you to, to go back on what you said. Because that, Jesus doesn't want that. But a heart that's aimed at God and struggling towards him and trying to hold fast is so much better than somebody who thinks they're perfect and just doing it legalistically. You have not failed until you've quit. Do not think for one second that you're a perfect human being because you're signing this. When you've quit, that's when you failed. This card is going to serve all year as a reminder that you knew today that these habits that we talked about are, are for people that desire to put God at the center of their lives. And as I build them into my life, I desire to put Him at the center too. Now, there's no pressure from me. You are free to choose what you want to do with this thing. But I want to challenge you to make this commitment today. I want to challenge you to develop these habits that we've talked about today and and set God at the center of your lives. Make him your first priority. And I, I promise you, he will breathe life into every other priority that we're going to talk about in the upcoming weeks. Can we pray together? As we pray, we're going to have our prayer folks up here together. And if you want some prayer, they will be more than happy to pray with you but let's pray together. God, we, we don't want to live another day without making these priorities straight. God, our, our, our priorities run our lives. We want to put you at the very center. Lord, for those in here today who are making this commitment for the very first time or recommitting their lives to you. God, we, we know we can't do this life alone. We need you. We are not perfect people and we don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve you. Your, the Bible is clear. We, we're in and of ourselves, we're not good. We're inherently the opposite. We're inherently evil. But God, you died for us so that we could live, that we could have life to the full and that our souls could be clean. We choose to believe in that right now. It doesn't make us perfect. It, we're still very human. But we believe we're made clean by the sacrifice that you made for us when you died a physical death And when you rose again, you demonstrated your power over death, the only one that ever do it, and because of that, you give give me life. You give us life. We believe in that, Lord. Lord, I pray blessings over every person today in this room. I pray as we walk out of here, God, that we'll be refreshed in our souls, knowing that we can put you at the center. Lord, and watch what you do with our lives. That's so much better than we could ever do ourselves. I thank you for our time together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.